Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Now. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, joined once again by my good friend, Dylan Hughes. Dylan, I don't know when this will be coming out, but I have to ask you, what has been a song you've been listening to lately? Oh, man. You know, I have to say that I've been home for basically like two weeks now um, off the road. And I have to say that I haven't really been listening to much music. I've actually been delving more back into the podcast world. You go um, cold turkey for music when you're off the road? <laughs> not not completely cold turkey, but I just I I just need something new. Like I've I feel like everything that I've been listening to, because I, I love the music I listen to so much that I just listen to it so much and you know sometimes i need a break from that um like there's only so much mac miller future you know that i can digest sometimes i need a little bit of a break um so i've been listening to a lot of sports podcasts lately which has been nice because you know i i just haven't been able to indulge in sports as much in the past you know seven or so months uh so it's been it's been nice to kind of actually spend my car rides or whatever listening to like ryan rusillo you know it's it's been nice i totally get that i totally do um you picked the perfect time to get back into sports podcast because everyone's going on vacation um (laughs) just but in all seriousness um yeah, this is a little bit of a dead time, which is why we're doing these redrafts. Um, Dylan and I are knocking out three of these at once, but we are going to be putting out we're going to be putting them out at separate times. So we just did the 2011 one. Um, now we're going to be do, doing the 2014 one. Dylan, what stands out to you about the 2014 draft, like going through it and studying for this draft? Well, I will say this draft was a lot harder to kind of get the order right. I found myself reorganizing a lot and, you know, we were just talking about the depth of 2011, but 2014, man, there are still a lot of good players on this list. And I feel like it was a lot harder. Like, I feel like with 2011 things kind of just naturally fell into place, but with this one, I feel like I had to think a little bit more about pinning it down because, you know, based on the draft board, there's a lot of, a lot of movement. Yeah. And honestly, like this draft is like really deep on role players, like really, really deep. Like you could make an eight man rotation of this draft and still have a couple guys left over for another team. Like it's honestly, it's honestly crazy deep. So Dylan, I'll let you call it again for the coin flip. You want to do heads or tails? Let's do heads this time. Okay. See what we got. Would you look at that tails? So I get the first pick. Dylan, I think we both know who I'm taking first. I am taking Nikola Jokic first overall. Um two-time MVP. There's no it's not really a bad choice to take first. 
because Embiid and Jokic kind of both got going in the same year, 2017. So like either way, you're going to have to wait a couple of years to get a return up to get a good ROI, a term you're probably familiar with. Um, but in either way, like both of those guys, when they get going, they're Hall of Famers, like right of way, <laughs> pretty much like Embiid lifted the process Sixers like they were 500 when he played and they had the first pick. They finished with the first pick that year. And then the Nuggets were like, as soon as Jokic got in the lineup, they started being good again. So I went with Jokic. Um, I think Jokic is better, but Dylan, you could go really go either way. How are we feeling about Jokic with the first pick? Yeah, I went Jokic number one, too. And I mean, there's no sense in really waiting. I mean, Embiid is obviously the second pick here. Obviously. It's like, I think it's Jokic is definitely better, but I think 1A and 1B like is a fair thing to say about these two guys. I mean, Jokic is definitely the player that I think makes his team better. And that's why he's number one. But as far as like talent goes, I think they're pretty much right, right there with each other. Uh, I mean, we've seen Embiid do some insane stuff over the years. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten better, which is, which is great to see because, you know, early on, we really worried about his injuries and whether he was going to be able to last. And, you know, once he got those first two years out of the way, he's, he's really, I mean, he, he deals with injuries every year still, but it's not completely sunk their team. Like we worried it might at some point. Uh, So you know, it'd be great to see him have some more team success, but he's an MVP candidate every single year, just like Jokic. So, I mean, these two guys are by far and away the two best centers in the league. And I think it's going to stay that way for a while. So I looked it up, you know, basketball reference, as you know, Dylan has the team record when you play. Um, the Sixers were 13 and 17 when Embiid played in 2017. They finished 28 and 54. (laughs) So by my math, that means they finished 15 and 37 when he didn't play. That was when he was a rookie. And he's only gotten better since then. He came in and was scoring right away. Um, Jokic, Jokic was a little bit more of a slow burn. But once they put him in the starting lineup, like things you... You, I think, were following the NBA a little more closely than I was back then. Do you remember what happened when Denver put Jokic in the starting lineup back then? I mean, I think it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was a weird time because, like, the Jokic and Nurkic thing, they really tried to make work with both of them. And it was just clear it wasn't going to work. And, I mean, Jokic coming off the bench, you could kind of see that, like, he was the better guy. And, over time, I'm trying to remember, was it Brian Shaw back then was the coach? Or It might have been. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was him or um, I guess it had to have been. But he, uh, you know, it's just hard to deny that. I mean, Nurkic was obviously talented, but Nurkic also in that situation seemed underwhelming, like compared to what he is now. So I think it just became clear Jokic was the guy and it really seemed to kind of ignite that team. And it was enough where they traded, you know, Nurkic not long after that. So it it was definitely, uh, it was definitely pretty clear once Jokic started playing and getting more 
control the offense that he was going to be a pretty special player. Yeah. And that's a really good way to put it. Um, Jokic is Jokic is special and beat is special. They both were special as soon as they were given like a real substantive chance. 2016, 17 in 28 minutes a game, 17 points, um, 17 points a game, nine rebounds, five assists or 9.8 rebounds, five assists. And that's only gotten better since then. So <laughs> pretty easy one, two there. As for my number three, I think this one's pretty easy. Um, I got Zach Levine. I think there's been a lot of peaks and valleys for him, but he's a really good scorer. I'd say he's a top 20 level player at this point. And I feel like at this point, there's not really anyone else better than him. Would Zach Levine be your third pick? Yeah, he's my third pick. I mean, it's another kind of um, late bloomer to an extent where, man, I just will never forget when he was with the Bulls and the Kings offered him what we thought was an idiotic contract. And then the Bulls match it, which we think is even stupider than what the Kings did. And now look what's happened. I mean, he's... Just over the past really three or four years, blossom into one of the best scorers in the league and a three, like a true three level guy, you know, an elite shooter and someone that I would love to see have more success. And, uh, you know, for the sake of this podcast network, I think the Bulls being good is a good thing. So I would like to see that continue to happen. But, Levine has has been one of my favorite players to watch over the past few years. He's just he's just so freaking good. Totally, he's a great he's a great pick for that um, spot. Who do you have at the fourth selection? So this is the point in the draft where I don't know if it's going to start getting contentious or not. I mean, me and you seem to agree on most things, whether we think we will or not. But I went with Clint Capella here. Uh. Clint Capella to me is just one of the best like non-star centers we have in the league or like non-featured centers, I guess is the better way to say it. Like, I don't know if Gobert really counts, but like when I say that, I mean centers that don't really have the ball in their hands too much. I think there's two different types of centers, you know, it's like the Jokic Embiid cat types and then the Gobert and Capella types where it's more off ball, like quick, quick dunks, layups, blocking shots, rebound, that, that kind of player. And Capella has been one of the best and he's been really fun to watch with, with both Harden and young now in Atlanta. I mean, he's just seamlessly fit into that group and made them a lot better. And I think in this draft, he's, I mean, there's a lot of guys behind him that, you know, you can make an argue for argument for, but I think Capella has just had such a great impact on the two teams he's been on. It's hard for me to put anyone above him. I, I, <laughs> I had Capella a little bit lower. I see where you're coming from for sure. My thing with Capella is that 
he has been with two great distributors. I wonder what it would be like if he was playing on the Knicks. <laughs> you know, if he was playing on, you know, if he was playing on a team where there wasn't a maestro in the pick and roll, because he's been on a team like with two pick and roll maestros, and there aren't a whole lot of those in the league. Like those guys don't grow on trees. So Capella to me, I like him a lot. I had him like I still had him in the top eight. I had I had him a little bit lower, but I I don't hate it because yeah, you're right. There's a lot of room for nuance and disagreement here. So <laughs> I I can't say I hate it, but I just I don't necessarily have him this high as all. And I'll be curious to see how you feel about this guy. This guy I have number five. He went first in this draft. I have Andrew Wiggins. Now, you would take everything I just said and use it against me because his career definitely doesn't turn out this way if he goes to if he doesn't go to Golden State. But even if he doesn't, I still think a team would be like, okay, would take the production he was giving in Minnesota and be like, okay, I'll live with this at the fifth pick. You know what I mean? Like if you get that out of the fifth pick rather than the first pick, you're ecstatic. But out of the first pick, you're like, this dude, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll say I had Wiggins here as well. And again, if we did this last summer, I think this is a different person. Yes. I mean, I think this run that he just had did so much for his stock. I mean, both what he like, what he was able to do on both sides of the floor. I think he was kind of always an underwhelming defender. And I think part of that was because the fact that he played in Minnesota and playing good defense did not really mean anything because they were going to suck either way. So I don't think he cared. And he was also kind of selfish with the ball in Minnesota. And in his time with Golden State, he's just really shown that he's a team player and he's willing to guard like Jason Tatum, you know, and, and do a good job. And he's also willing to just play off ball and not have to make a ton of, uh, you know, decisions, but also if he needs to, he can create his own shot still. So he's really become, I think like the ideal version of himself in this situation. Um, so he's, he's well-deserving of, of being top five, maybe not top one, you know, but top five for sure. For sure. And I think that, like I said, even if what you said that he improved on in Golden State hadn't happened, I still think at five, it's a risk. Like looking back on what I believe, I think at five, it's still a risk I'd be willing to take. You know what I mean? Like getting that production out of the fifth pick is still like, oh my gosh. Like look at what Orlando got out of Franz Wagner. If Franz Wagner went first, they'd be like, okay, this is a little underwhelming. You know, as sad as it is to say, but you get Franz Wagner at eight, then you're cooking with gas, as sad as it is to say. So I think that, yeah, Andrew Wiggins, I think, is a top five pick, no matter the circumstance. Who do you have at the sixth pick? So next, I'm going with Yusuf Nurkic, guy we already talked about a little bit. Okay. Um, Just, you know, this is this is the one I'm maybe most willing to like change because it's just a weird part of the draft now where you know you're kind of outside that really high end level player, but 
you're at like you're a good good solid starter level you know I don't know Nurkic has just been a guy I've always liked and I think he's he's made the Blazers better when he's been on the floor and that's really like all you need to know like he's been solid on both ends of the floor and I certainly don't blame Portland's downfalls of the past few years on him so I, I think he's been a contributor to their their playoff runs and um, you know, I, I think he's just been really reliable over the years. For sure. I so okay. This is another one where I had him a little bit lower than you, but I see the logic. I'm not gonna act like I don't. This is where my problem with Nurkic is. It's all about the injuries. For the most part, like Embiid's injuries are enough where we can overlook them, right? Jokic, Iron Man, doesn't get hurt. Same with Capella. I think Capella has missed. I think Capella's like had a hand injury or two. He's never like torn his ACL or meniscus or anything, right? Wiggins, same thing. Wiggins has been a relative Iron Man. Levine tore his ACL. You know, had a little bit of injuries last season, but for the most part, has been pretty healthy. Um, <laughs> Nurkic has had a lot of injury issues. That's my one hold up with him. I would say he's at his best. He's probably better. Than Wiggins and Capella. I would say that. The problem is we don't get to see him at his best a whole lot. And that that would be my only holdup. But other I see your logic for sure. That would just be my holdup with drafting him six is all. Yeah, I get that for sure. I mean, you want someone that's gonna be on the floor, you know. So, and again, that's why I think I'm most willing to move him of anyone on this draft is just because of that. But when he is on the floor, I, I feel like he's maybe more productive than the guys behind him. Maybe not in all cases, but, um, you know, I, I just I just like what he's on the floor. <laughs> I totally get it. When he's on the floor, he is a tantalizing talent. I mean, <laughs> it's really good. I can't say listen, I like I can't say the logic is wrong. I just I personally wouldn't go that high. But hey, more power to you. Number five or number seven, excuse me. I have this guy at number five. I'm going to go with the reigning defensive player of the year. Go with Marcus Smart. Um, He's a really good defender. He has improved a lot as an offensive player. Dylan, is this a fair spot for Marcus Smart? Yeah, this this is where I had Smart. So, uh, again, like if you want to swap him with Nurkic, like I get that. He's been healthier and he's you know was just in the finals so recency bias definitely helps him as well um but yeah i mean it's he's i don't know like he's definitely been up and down i mean he's always been really good on defense i think on offense um he's maybe like it's been hard to find a role for him i feel like on offense that really works like it seems like they've shifted his role around a lot over the years um, and maybe that's just to suit team needs more than anything, but feels like it's been hard to find a role for him. Um, uh, but either way, he's still been awesome on defense and been able to play a, a good role on, on teams that seem to make the, at least the conference finals like every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this year, this year he was like kind of shifted more into the point guard role. He needs to shift down his shot selection if he's going to be the point guard, but he's a really good passer. 
Like, I mean, he's really smart. There's a reason why he's a top notch defender, right? There's a reason why he was in consideration for defensive player of the year. But yeah, you're definitely right about the offense, like kind of holding him back a little bit. But I, I personally think seven for Marcus Smart is still a steal. <laughs> like based on everything they've gotten out of him over the years, like just as a defender and the offensive growth, like I, I personally love the value for him. Who do you have at eight? So next I'm going Jeremy Grant. Okay. And I will say the past year definitely helped him more than anything. If, if he was still like in Denver, just kind of being like a good role player, I wouldn't probably have him this high, but I mean, he proved like his talent, you know, and it didn't equal wins at all, but he kind of showed that he's more, more capable than what we've seen basically in any situation he's been in. Cause he's been in, situations where he's just been kind of a corner three-point shooter or whatever and you know kind of around the rim guy and in Detroit he really kind of just went off you know he's like give me my money and give me the ball and get out of the way and it was it was pretty fun to watch even though it it didn't mean anything but I'm interested to see this year what what he's going to do uh more more of an off ball role again. Um, but yeah, I, I think just because of that, the talent he showed Pat the past year, it's, it's kind of hard for me to have him any lower than this. That's fair. I mean, I have a couple guys ahead of him, um, but I, this is the general range I have him at. So, I mean, I can't, I don't hate it by any means. I mean, he's a guy who's a good defender, who is a good shooter. Who's, <laughs> you know, who has scoring capabilities that I'm really interested to see what like he could do with like a, a lesser role, like, but more of a role than he had when he was in Denver. I'm really curious to see because I think that could be a really interesting player, but we, we never know until we see what happens when he's in Portland. Number nine, I'm taking your favorite player. I can't believe he fell this far. <laughs> I mean, I can believe he fell yes, this far. You can believe it. I can believe he fell this far, but it's Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> me personally, I don't believe he's the ninth best player in this draft. I think he's better than a couple of these guys. <laughs> I understand why he fell because of my comrade doing the drafting with me. <laughs> um, I think the guys I drafted are all better than he is probably. <laughs> but. OK, I have to ask, where was he on your board? Uh, I had him at 11. <laughs> 11. And I will just say, and then the two names I'm going to say next are, it, they look stupid to have above him, but the two players that, I've, that I'm going to name and the players I already have named have helped team, teams win playoff games, not hurt them. And basically that was all I was going off. I don't care about regular season numbers. All I care about is Hawks versus Knicks when Randall shot like 36% and was worthless. That's really all I was focusing on. And I think that's fair to focus on because, hey, we're trying to win playoff games here. Julius Randall does not help you win playoff games. Listen, you're not saying what you're saying isn't wrong, but man, you just didn't have to say it. (laughs) I mean, 
Randall to me, okay. He's a supreme, like, I think he's really talented. I think he's one of the most talented players, probably. I think it's safe to say in the league. Not, okay, maybe not that far, but he can do some stuff with the ball. I think what we saw last year was really bad, just regression to the mean. Really bad in terms of the three point shooting. He fell off a cliff. And it was kind of to be expected. But man, 41% in two, in 2021 and then 30%, I think sub 30 in 21, 22. I mean, that's, it wasn't great for your, I mean, you were probably happy the entire time. And I, you know, I'm of the strong opinion that they should hand the keys over to RJ Barrett. Strong opinion. But listen, you know, I, I understand your perspective for sure. I just think in terms of sheer talent, he's like re- a lot better <laughs> than some, <laughs> a few of the guys ahead of him. But I digress. I don't want to spend that much more time on Julius Randle. Who, Dylan, who do you have? Or do you have any closing arguments about Julius Randle, sir? Oh, no, I have so I need to say. <laughs> Who is your number 10 guy? So number 10 for me is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. Um, and this, again, some recency bias, you know, had a nice showing for the Mavericks in their recent run. Um, just another guy I feel like when he's been on the floor has just been really good. And... I think if he was healthy for the Nets last year, they probably would have went further than they did, you know? Um, I mean, he, I don't know. Like he's, he's been, a, he's, he was a guy that was, was he undrafted? I think he was undrafted. No, he was the second oh, no. round. I, I remember, I remember he was second round because he had a lot of hype, but he tore his ACL. I think when he was at Colorado, yeah, and he went to Chicago, I think, and then we traded him to Detroit, and then he started bouncing around until he got to Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, I don't know why I just asked that when we're literally redrafting players, um, but forgive me, it's it's uh, it's only one p.m. Okay, I still need to wake up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he bounced around for a few years early on, and and. I don't know. It didn't really seem like he was going to be much. And then all of a sudden was just awesome, you know? And, and I think he's just continuing to grow and he's, he's a a fun guy to watch. I mean, he's another one of those guys that's not going to really do much for you on defense, you know, but on offense, he's capable of just going off and kind of in that Isaiah Thomas ilk a little bit. Um, So just a fun guy to watch and, He's been productive, and I think he's going to continue to be productive. A little bit higher than I had Dinwiddie, a constant refrain of mine in this podcast, but I can't say I hate it. Um, He was really good in Brooklyn. He was, yeah, and he's really bounced back in um, Dallas, and I hope that he continues to bounce back because they're going to really need him next year after um, the Knicks signed the most overrated player in the NBA to a $100 million contract. So spoiler alert, if that guy was, if we were doing the 2018 redraft, that guy's going 14th in the lottery and no higher because he is uh, mm. Um, number 11. I'll just go ahead and go. 
I, I mean, I have to go Aaron Gordon. I I think, Dylan, something I found doing this podcast with you, I'm a lot higher on Aaron Gordon than you are. There's there's a few guys. I really liked his game. I think he brings a lot to you defensively. Um, yes. In 2021, the playoffs, they were he was brutal. But also, he was asked to do a lot more than he was capable of doing on offense. He's not an offensive player. We saw that in... We saw that in Orlando, but when he got to when he got to Denver and he was the what was it? The fourth option behind Murray and Porter. He was doing some amazing things. I just feel like as a complimentary guy, if I get this guy at 11, I am through the roof. Where did you have Gordon? I'm curious. I had him. I had him here as well. Uh, Well, I didn't have him here. (laughs) I had him higher, but I had him here. So, I mean, I, I like I like Gordon. I don't love him. You know, like it's just it's a consistency thing for me. He's he's shown sometimes that he's awesome. He can get to the rim and score. He can hit threes, play defense. And there's other games where he has like zero points. You know, it's just that's really my main thing is I like the idea of him. But consistency has just been an issue. I'll t- see that that's my thing though with guys like him. I'll take the defense, right? Plus whatever offense he's giving me. It's I'll, I'll grant you this. When Murray's not out there, it hurts a lot more when he gives you zero. Yeah. When they get that consistent 20 points a game back, it's not going to hurt as much because then he'll just have to like throw in like 15 points once every four games. And I think that'll be the difference when. You know, like even if it's just like because Bones, I don't know how much you got to see Bones Highland last year, but he's the truth. That kid can put the ball in the hole. There's a reason why they traded Monte Morris. And we've seen Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown could put the ball in the hole, too. So. I don't know. I really like their team. I think Gordon's a really good fit next to all those guys. But let's move on to number 12. Dylan, who do you have at the 12th spot? Kyle Anderson. Interesting. One of our one of our faves and probably a reach, but I don't care because it's the end of the lottery. Who cares? I mean, the remaining three players I have are fairly similar. Anderson is the worst like shooter out of all of them, but he's probably the best defender. And I don't know, like he's he's just played a huge role on, on the teams he's been on so far. And, and, uh, I like, there's not much else to say, you know, like he's, he's just been consistent, really good defender. Like, you know, again, not, not always having a huge impact on offense, but he's able to keep the wheel turning and, and moving the ball to the right places. And I just think is, is an ideal role player. Totally understand that. Um, for some reason, I didn't rank him, and I'm looking at my list, and I don't know why I didn't rank him. Uh, there's just a lot of guys, though, in this draft. But yeah, Anderson's track record is kind of... I think that's the... If I had to think of a reason, is because his track record is kind of like... Outside of the Memphis years, because he didn't do much in San Antonio. Like, I like Kyle Anderson a lot, but he's done a lot more in Memphis than he ever did in San Antonio. Like, a lot more. Um... In San Antonio, I'd say Kyle Anderson was more theoretical than an actual player. <laughs> and when he got to Memphis, they finally started using him. Well, 
even then it took Taylor Jenkins getting there for him to actually start getting run. And it was, I like Anderson a lot. I'm really curious to see how he goes in Minnesota. I, I still think there's a couple of guys over him that I would have over him in the lottery personally, but you know, 15 to 18 range. I think it's not fair for me at least. So I'll go ahead and go with my number 13. I'm going to go TJ Warren. Like I understand the last year hasn't been kind to Mr. Warren, but the man could put the ball in the hole (laughs) and he can't do much else. But career 15 points a game, um, really efficient at doing it. He is just a good scorer. And at 13, I mean, he was really good value at 14 in 2013 or 2014. Excuse me. I think he's, I think he's a good pick at this spot. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I definitely considered him. Um, I thought the the guys I have were just a little bit more maybe dynamic and have produced a little bit more over the years, but how dare you insult bubble MJ like that? <laughs> Listen, man, you know, I, I love TJ. I just wish Pacers could have got a little bit more out of him. Um, but you know, I, I hope he can have a strong comeback this year. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, TJ Warren didn't actually miss that much time. It just feels like he did. He's only been out for, I mean, only, but he only has been out since January of last year. Like, which is a long time to be sure. But the Pacers really didn't want to play him after, you know, underst- like understandably, they didn't want to play him after they were starting to tank. <laughs> So he was only out for like a year, which is like a reasonable amount of time to be out with an injury, you know, especially well, like he was had out with a foot injury, right? Those aren't anything to mess around with. So yeah. I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to bounce back this year and whatever version of the Nets he's plays with, I'm really excited to see what he does. You know, the Nets have a really good track record of rehabilitating guys in the 2014 draft. <laughs> as we've seen with a couple of these guys, um, who do you have with the last pick Dylan? Last pick, I'm going Gary Harris. It's a good pick. The uh, Fishers, Indiana native. Got a tinge of bias, but it's a good pick. Yeah, got to show my support. I mean, just, you know, the past few years have not been as good, but man, for a while there, he was one of the best two-way shooting guards in the league and maybe even one of the best, like, two-way players, you know, like just an awesome perimeter defender, really good shooter was really fun to watch him with Jokic for a while. He, those, those two had a great connection and, you know, I, I don't think he's done yet. I, he's definitely not as uh, you know, he's lost a step on, on offense, but I still think on defense, he's got a lot of upside and um, you know, I hope he can, can hang around a few more years. I hope so too. I mean, he signed the contract. He re-signed with Orlando um, pretty cheap deal. I'll be curious to see, how he does at that core, you know, I think that all teams need vets. So Gary Harris is a good signing for like a resign for them. No doubt. Cause especially since, you know, he's, he knows how to play defense. I'm sure he knows how to watch film and all that good stuff. So um, can I tell you some of the guys that were in my lottery that we didn't, well, I only had two guys in my lottery that we didn't draft, but can I tell you some of my honorable mentions still in? Yes. Okay. So Joe Harris, and Bogdan Bogdanovich were both in my lottery. We didn't draft either of them. 
Yeah, I had Bogdanovich as well. And then Harris I considered, but he just missed the cut for me. Jordan Clarkson, Doug McDermott, Dario Saric were also on the OLI. No Dwight Powell love? No Dwight Powell love. That's... There's legitimately 20 rotation guys in this draft. It's a, such a deep draft. Um, the busts in this draft aren't as many, but we should still acknowledge them like we did in the last draft. Uh, Jabari Parker, one of the saddest trajectories, man. He was going to be so good coming out of Duke. And then what? Does he tear his ACL like two games into his rookie year? Something like that, yeah. He played 25 games his rookie year. Um, comes back and plays 76 his sophomore year. Um, he doesn't end up at the end of the four years, he doesn't end up re-signing in Milwaukee. It's uh, like terrible for him. Um, Dante Exum, just a big whiff by the Jazz. Um, Nick Stauskas, classic. Still around, by the way. Yes, I mean, almost still, an NBA champion. be traded. <laughs> st- almost an NBA champion. Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton, and then that's about it for lottery busts. I mean, this draft was so deep, you have to go to like the Adrian Payne was a bust. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want to make too many jokes about Adrian Payne because. Yeah. These busts like aren't terrible because, I mean, Jabari Parker is still in the league. Dante Exum, I don't think is in the league, but he was trying somewhat recently. Stausk is still in the league. Peyton's still in the league. Still, Peyton is still tanking every team he plays on. Respect him for that. You know, like there's, it's not like a lot of drafts where it's like Jan Vesely, you know, like we just right. talked about. Like there's, there's guys that are still hanging around at least. They're not what they, you know, should have been with their draft pick, but they're at least still players for sure. For sure. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, just like another couple of funny picks in this draft, Bruno Caboclo. Do you remember him two years away from being two years away? Yes. <laughs> I think he was played in the NBA last year too, if I'm not mistaken, he might still be in that last year in 2021. Um, Mitch McGarry. You know, got in trouble for for weed. He was ahead of his time in some <laughs> ways. Uh, Josh Hustis, if I remember correctly, he was one of the first G League stash guys. Mm-hmm. This was an interesting draft. The second round wasn't. Daniels was fun. This is probably one of the best second rounds of all time, too. Just in terms of like sheer like guys who made it. So you have Joe Harris, like we're talking about, Dinwiddie, Grant, Jokic. And Powell and Clarkson. Like, that's a starting lineup in and of itself. So. Yeah. And, I mean, Thanasis is still around. Um, I don't think Glenn Robinson III's around, but he had a run there. He pl- he was a rotation player for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is pretty – I mean, you can't expect a ton from the second round. I think it, it over-delivered for sure. Well, and that kid, there's this. So if you scroll down, pick 52, Vasile Michich, that kid is supposed to be real. And that kid, he's not a kid anymore. He's a man. Um, he's like a 
MVP over in Europe. I think he was like Turkish League MVP. The Thunder have his draft rights right now. Mm. And I believe he's supposed to be really good. So the 2014 draft could get even deeper by the time it's all said and done. Who knows? We might have another guy in the lottery (laughs) if we redid this draft, you know, five years from now. But um, Dylan, that was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me. And I want to thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for tuning into that episode, everyone. Um, Dylan and I had a blast. I want to shout out Dylan for making that with me a while ago. Um, make sure you check out Linsanity. Season's not underway, and it's a rollicking season so far. Make sure you check out what Bryson and Caleb have to say. And make sure you check out Triple Option Pass with Ryan and Devin. Um, they are back, folks. And they haven't gotten anything to me this week, but make sure you check out week two. Um, phenomenal episode and yeah make sure you check out our wonderful content thank you so much for listening have a great rest of your day